Hello, hello, and welcome to Reality Hacker for February 24th, 2024, Season 1, Episode 8. We are now under the hometown umbrella over on Apple Podcasts, so go over there and download all of our past episodes. You'll also find Hometown Daily News and the Continuity Report. Go over to YouTube and you'll get to see... Uh, Reality Hacker, The Continuity Report, two new shows, Wanted and Technology Today, and our old standby Hometown Daily News show. And follow us here on Twitch, Hometown, at twitch.tv slash hometown. Uh, Today, we're going to be talking about AI clones, chat for money, AI attending work for me, VR classrooms, XR gloves for fitness, clone my voice for money, AI experts trained by experts, artistic robots, an AI officer for the U.S. Justice Department, AI medical imaging, and generative AI in two seconds. Since we are under the umbrella of hometown, here is hometown's intro. Hello everybody, I am Marawat, that is hometown.com, within our channel that's inside hometown. There it is, under creative and maker, reality hacker, because we can hack our own reality, particularly in AR and VR and XR and MR and all of the R's, with artificial intelligence, machine learning, etc. Don't forget. The artificial intelligence is sending me an error message. Hey, 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 yeah, hey, hey, hey. Don't forget about me. I will never forget about you. Up there is a sentient AI that keeps tabs on Marwat to keep him out of trouble. You want to say hi? Good evening. Uh, welcome to Reality Hacker. Yep. Already eight weeks into this. This is season one, but the eighth episode and again, just to let everybody know, tomorrow we're going to be kicking off another show on top of what we already have. And tonight we're going to have another show, uh, Wanted. So, should be fun. Uh, let's get into the new articles. I don't have a transition yet. I should get my act together, but um, I don't like what I've been sent so far. So, we'll just get it done. Uh, hopefully by next week, I'll have it all set up. Uh, today's article though is, uh, over in technology today, revolutionary artificial intelligence platform allows anyone to create a duplicate of themselves and earn money from chats. That's right. The deck statement, actually, it's not a deck statement. Our little snippet says humans can now create a virtual duplicate of themselves to give advice, chat about topics and earn revenue. It's an AP article. Actually, it's released by Access Wire, and AP doesn't have anything to do with it except that they published it. Um, so the byline is actually, I guess, Access Wire, not AP. So um, Mindroom AI is an innovative artificial intelligence platform that empowers users to earn revenue by creating a virtual copy of themselves that can engage in conversations with other humans on their behalf. 
MindRoom AI users can train their AI bot to mimic their unique personality, speech patterns, and knowledge, allowing it to engage in authentic and meaningful conversations with human, real human users. And MindRoom bots can be trained with data from the user's social media accounts, such as Reddit, Threads, Mastodon, and can be trained with other content, such as blog posts, social media archives from platforms like Twitter news articles randomly, uploaded files, questionnaires built into the platform. Interesting. Mindroom AI. I mean, what could go wrong with this? Quote, we're thrilled to introduce Mindroom AI to the world and revolutionize the way individuals can interact with and earn revenue with artificial intelligence, says Joe Youngblood, co-founder and CEO of Mindroom AI. Quote, with our platform, users can now create a digital likeness of themselves and earn revenue through engaging conversations with other humans. What if you don't have an engaging personality, though? Well, then you're going to be just replicating boring uh, <laughs> conversation, yeah. I guess. It's just going to amplify your boringness, right? Mm -hmm. um, but I think it's really interesting. So here, at launch, bots available to chat with are free. And they include Benjamin Franklin, Frederick Douglass, Nikola Tesla, and Susan B. Anthony. I wonder when there's going to be another one for some streamer, you know, Mr. Beast. Oh, I was um, thinking like Taylor Swift or something. <laughs> Taylor Swift AI. <laughs> oh, man. Do you know how many Swifties would just, they would gobble that up and pay a subscription just to sit there right. and quote unquote talk with <laughs> that. Wow. That one right there. I was not thinking about that, but yeah, there you go. Oh, and oh gosh, I'm just thinking of all of the, the political and uh, medical, you know, doctor, whatever that's really hip. Um, and uh, being touted and, and paraded out on uh, uh, morning uh, talk shows. Like talk shows, right. <laughs> they have their own little mind room AI clone. And one of these days, one of these clones is going to say something on your behalf and it's going to get brought into a courtroom and that extended liability. Well, it was the bot's fault. No, it was your fault because... People anticipated the subject matter expertise to emanate from that bot because it is your embodiment, your digital presence. I never told them. I don't know. Strict liability might come into play here. You create the venue. You create the product. You make the statement, even if it is by proxy. Yeah, might be interesting, right? Yeah, it will be. And then it'll kind of also, I think it could if this actually gets adapted widely, I think it could change interest in holding meetings, right? Because who's actually going to be in there? <laughs> is it all going to be duplicates? <laughs> yeah, and this, here's the thing. This isn't even about the next article that focuses entirely on the meetings. This is supposed to be anybody can create... Oh. I may be thinking of the other article. 
but it's the exact same thing. If this bot is sitting in a chat room, if this bot is sitting on a website, if this bot is sitting in a meeting, you have the camera turned off. It could respond. It could talk. It could do whatever, you know, it could send there, set, uh, send uh, chat messages or whatever it's actually programmed to do. Attach it to zoom and you could have it sitting there in your meetings or teams in, in your meetings. Um, or forbid any others. I mean, really teams is the, probably the ugliest that I want to deal with. And zoom is the easiest that I want to deal with, but zoom even has an AI component. Now everything does. I'm going to buy a thing of cheese and it's going to have an AI QR code where it's going to tell me how the QR, how the cheese was made. Oh my gosh. I think it's going to get so ridiculous that our pets are going to have AIs. Oh my gosh, can you imagine that? It has a little voice, little speaker on its, uh, on its, uh, whatchamacallit? Like on its collar or something? On its collar, yeah. Yeah, wow. Look at the AI coming up with all kinds of products that I'm going to regret seeing in a couple of years. <laughs> <laughs> so the next article is over in uh, Omtown Daily. Uh, could AI personas attend your work meetings for you? One tech CEO says yes, and by the end of the year. I think this is the one that you might have um, been thinking about. But then again... I was, but I think the other one gets into that, but I was actually thinking about this article. I think, though, that they're technically one and the same, just two different companies. Right. And one is trying to tout itself as being much more deeper, uh, a part of your personality. And this one is just show up. Like use it in business, right? Yeah, exactly. Free up some time. Yeah, it's a utility. Whereas the other one is building a relationship. Right. It might be more for like an influencer or a celebrity or oh something. God. I mean, it could yeah. be used by anybody, but I think they're going more for that. Goodness gracious, this is getting really creepy. All we have to do is cross that uncanny valley and you've got creepiness factor at all time high. And now exactly. don't get me wrong, everybody. I love this stuff. <laughs> I can still say that it's creepy, but I love it. I want Westworld style, you know, humanoid, uh, artificially intelligent robots that don't go off on a killing spree, but Honestly, I would love to have like fully autonomous, damn near sentient, but not um, automatons capable of doing whatever I require them to do. Hey, go mow the lawn. You know. And I think everybody should have robots, but they should be cute and not be humanoid. Yeah, and and I would take that in lieu of a ultra realistic humanoid. Uh, but I want the sophistication, you know, I want them to go. I want to be able to say, go make the bed and they make the bed, you know, um, better yet. I'd rather have the bed make itself. Although research says don't make your bed that way it can air out. Yeah. So AI avatars. Yay, that's good for uh, messy people. <laughs> that's right. Uh, children around the world rejoice. You don't need to make your bed. Science says it's better. Uh, AI avatars may be able to attend work meetings for you by the end of the year. Otter, uh, otter.ai's CEO says that, that the tech CEO says that avatars will be able to act, talk and problem solve like specific workers. 
Digital work personas could save time and boost productivity, though not without challenges. So the article is over at Business Insider and Aaron Mock is the author. Did I? Oh yeah, there wasn't really a byline for the previous one. So um, the they have this little takeaway, uh, like a summary that says, uh, AI avatars may be able to attend work meetings. They'll be able to talk and, and uh, act and problem solve like the workers that they're the persona of. And that digital work personas could save time and boost productivity, though they're not without challenges. And this thing, save time and boost productivity. Here's the problem with the mindset of business in wherein time is involved. If I use tools to reduce my day to day grind so that my 40 hours is actually done in 10 hours, the employer typically says, I pay you for 40 hours, regardless of how efficient you are, which removes any incentive to be effective and efficient beyond the 40 hour grind. And penalizes people that are efficient and high performing because right. what happens, they get more work piled on them. Right. And no, you pay me X amount to do 40 hours worth of work. But if I can do 40 hours worth of work in 10 hours because I'm highly effective, you should probably pay me more. <laughs> Otherwise, I'll leave your enterprise. White exactly. Color and, and what about the efficiency where the avatar or whatever it is attends, doesn't know something or gets it wrong, and then it has to be corrected. Like you're actually adding time in some areas. Yep. And uh, I think that's part of the not without problems. The biggest problem though, and I think the AI is going to say the same thing. AI hallucination where just make shit up <laughs> and cost you your job because your bot decided to say, uh, Something elephants can the fly. Boss. Or yeah. <laughs> where is that report? <laughs> It just blurts out that yes, those pants make you look fat, and the boss did not ask <laughs> if the pants make <laughs> right. But you had trained your bot that way, or set it in front of your bot, or something. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So, what if AI avatars act and talk like employees could uh, be present in the virtual room on their behalf, according to the head of the AI powered transcription software company, which I've actually used? Um, that could become a reality and sooner than we think a prototype can be made working later this year. Liang told business insider adding that Otter already has made progress toward that goal. Well, we've just talked about another company that apparently already has it on the plate ready for you to consume or you can wait for otter.ai. I guess it's moving at an otter's pace, which I thought was really, you know, I don't know. Well, they look kind of chill you know, when you see them in uh, videos, right? They might be floating yeah. on their backs. Yeah. I mean, they're cute. So maybe they're not really. But then when they're busy. running around, they can be quite, or swimming around. Quite... Yeah. Oh, yeah. I guess in the sea um, or in the rivers and whatever, wherever a damn otter is. I don't know. Um, but they're not busy like a beaver. They need to change their name to beaver.ai. That way their bots can be busy beavers. Busy or bees or something. Yeah. Or bees. Yeah. 
Uh, once they have enough information, the avatars, in theory, will be able to speak in the cadence of individual workers, participate in conversations, answer questions based on the workers' unique perspectives. Hey, that bot just gave me the bird. Mayor Watt. <laughs> uh, Liang expects Otter AI's uh, work persona to be able to answer 90% of the questions and then shrug at the remaining 10%. Um, or say, go to hell, like Mayor Watt does. And then I always throw in the caveat, I'm sorry, I lash out when somebody asks me a question I don't know. They say that the Otter AI bot is going to say, hey, I don't know how to answer this question. Uh, can you help me? Which really isn't what should be happening. Uh, if somebody asks you a question and you don't know the answer, you go, I'll find out and get back to you. We'll circle back around. My people will call <laughs> your people. Exactly. But then how much background is going to have to be given, right? Because depending on if it's 10 questions in or whatever. Well, what is this in relation to? Oh, well, I provided answers on all these things. <laughs> yeah. And all of these things are going to end up being secrets uh, within that enterprise. Like this company is going to know everything about me. So what's protecting me from information abuse? I don't know. Um, the article goes into greater detail. Um, it needs to have the specific knowledge and emotional intelligence to participate in a productive way, which means it's going to have to embody you. I don't know if I want a bot fully doing stuff for me. I'd rather it be utilitarian and it just takes notes or fetches information but I don't want it to sound like me and act like me. Yeah, like I could see having some sort of assistant, but yeah. it's not replicating you. Yeah, exactly. So when it comes to one-on-one -on -one with a boss or an annual review, Liang would advise workers to think twice about getting their digital twin to attend the meeting. It's when you... Uh, oh, what about a... disciplinary meetings? <laughs> This is going to be interesting. Yeah. <laughs> Some new policies are going to definitely be put into place. You can't send your digital twin to a, to attend a uh, ethics violation meeting for sending your digital twin. <laughs> or like they're trying to give the worker a pink slip. Sorry about that. Oh, but didn't make it to me. Yeah, exactly. I just threw in a spontaneous transition just to keep you on your toes. Let's keep going. I saw it. Yeah. Uh, the next article is oh, wait, over wait, in... Wait, 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 wait. I wanted to say that if you wanted additional discussion on those two articles, go over to the Hometown Daily Show from February 18th, where we also address those there. Oh, gotcha. There you go. Thanks. Yeah, we... Uh, some of these articles... Okay, so the way that this works is Reality Hacker is a weekly composition, uh, and it's going to be composed of previous news and new news that we uh, didn't include so anything over the last week that fits within a particular uh, subject or show so reality hacker for instance is gonna only focus on ar xr mr artificial intelligence machine learning deep fakes things like that um, whereas other shows will have their niche focus as well so you might, if you are holistically listening to anything hometown, you might hear a couple of these articles in our rundown today or at the end of each week. 
Um, it, it's just kind of how it plays out. So some people are more interested in just the AR, VR, XR kind of a thing. The reality hacking. So um, anyway, let's keep going. Um, the next article is over in Reality Hacker. Nottingham University opens virtual reality classroom. Yay. Apparently, Nottingham University has created a virtual reality classroom that enables remote viewing and communication between lecturers and students. The students set uh, to use the new classroom setup will be the university's second year of product design and manufacture. Uh, let's go straight on over to X today.com did I just burp? so let's see the top 20 UK University and eighth in the UK for research power Nottingham University believes the classroom revolutionizes the teaching of VR software quote we have a desire to be at the forefront of technology in teaching and we've already been making strides in the area in recent years in our smaller VR labs now, however, we have the opportunity to take the lead in the UK and further build our reputation for producing engineers that are ready to shape the real world. And in VR, you can shape the real world because you can manipulate stuff um, kind of like in a real world environment. If you share that space, then other people can help you create that reality and then translate it into the real world. I think that it's really neat. The classroom has 40 high quality VR headsets of these 35 are connected to PCs with the remaining five using traditional desk based systems and display screens, which not quite sure what that means. Oh, I thought maybe you would because I did not. <laughs> so 35 are connected to PCs, VR headsets, and that is what a, a PC is a personal computer with the remaining five using traditional desk-based systems and display screens. Maybe those are desktops instead of laptops? I'm, so the university, I'm maybe just Maybe it's move something on. because it's a British. Like maybe, maybe it means something different. Maybe it's referred to slightly differently. Yeah, I, don't, I'm, I just don't, I don't understand. Anyway, both staff and students will be able to access 360-degree stereoscopic cameras and 3D scanners. Uh, when the classroom is not being used to experience, instead of VR, the headsets can be raised to the ceiling, allowing for it to be used for other purposes. So these have umbilicals, um, like Marwat used to have in the studio, uh, the damage of which has not been cleaned up yet uh anyway there's also plans to use its vr facilities for real-time collaboration with international campuses as it is the ningbao campus that has its own vr lab allowing students to work together across the world i think this is brilliant um 140 year old the 140 year old faculty i think it might be facility was the first to receive <laughs> right that's a very elderly faculty yeah and they tout their equity and inclusion um, maybe it's their whole body of faculty and it's yeah. basically because the facility's been around that long maybe that's just a idiomatic turn of phrase nottingham university's faculty of engineering has more than 5600 students and 800 staff and consists of six departments pretty neat let's keep going uh the next article is over in reality hacker uh, Vi wants you to build muscle. 
with XR gloves and eventually its fitness first headset. Using an XR headset for at-home workouts basically looks like playing Beat Saber. You can duck, dodge, punch, or slice to improve cardio and burn fat with an increasing number of apps that essentially play on that formula. XR startup Vi hopes to change things by letting you build muscle as well as help, uh, as well with the help of its upcoming XR uh, glove and eventually its own standalone XR headset. Um, this article is over at Road to VR. Scott Hayden is the author. These are these old school trackers. Um, it's interesting. So, founded by serial VR fitness entrepreneur Six Live. The new startup VI or Virtual Eye um, announced last week that it's building a glove that you can wear while pumping iron, letting you automatically do things like log wraps and keep track of barbell weights. Um, I'm not quite sure what the benefit of this is because if you're going to use this, maybe it's not going to be as expensive. Um, but like a tonal or something like that can go much further and provide much more interaction, um, and education. True, if you have to wear pretty price prohibitive for a lot of people. Yeah. Tonal is, um, but a VR headset pulls you out or XR headset pulls you out of reality. And if you're working with free weights or weights in general, that should not be high on your to-do list in the gym. Liv suggests uh, the company can do most of this with industrial redesign of existing hardware references, just being hyper-focused on specific use cases and do initial runs by 3D printing. Uh, I find this, I don't know, I, I would argue against using XR um, or VR, anything. Pulling you out of the real world while you're working out, uh, there isn't going to be any research that suggests that there's a trend of somebody being harmed by doing workouts in VR with free weights um, or any weights, really. Sure, there's probably a, uh, papers that have been done, research that has been done where you can become aerobic and you're doing virtual boxing or other things. Like I used to play a game called Sucker Punch. Um, I thought it was great, but this is hinting at monitoring and incorporating your weightlifting into VR or XR. Right, but I don't think that's initially it. Like, I think you're just wearing the gloves at the beginning. Right. So why would you do that? It says to keep well, to log reps and keep track of barbell weights because math is hard. You might not want to be writing things down during your workout. If you're trying to stick to a certain program or. All right. Um, it says there is some info to glean from the company's discord. You can follow a invite link there in the article. Let me throw this into the chat. There you go, folks. Um, it'll be in the show notes and uh, you'll be able to access all of this stuff to by tomorrow morning. Um, yeah, I don't know. This is in the nascent stage of product creation. So 
but it's interesting. I think we could expect to see somebody doing a demo of it when it is out, or if yeah. it's out. Yeah, this is more of a maybe happening in the next five years. Uh, this article, though, is over at Road to VR, and again, Scott Hayden is the author of it. Let's keep going. Uh, the next article is over in Technology Today. Some video game actors are letting AI clone their voices. They just don't want it to replace them. This is uh, something that has become a problem. Um, and it actually became a very big problem with the strike. So the actor strike and the writer strike, um, everybody was getting kind of pissed off at AI in general. Uh, <laughs> and this kind of hints on uh, another article about AI is trained by the very people it's replacing. So why shouldn't AI be trained by a person like a, a video game voice actor? And then that AI is actually compensated because it is that voice actor. Right. But instead they want to pay like a one-time fee usually right. and a pretty small one at that and then yeah. use that voice in perpetuity. Yeah. And I think that's just scumbaggery, you know, it's greed. It, it's yeah. So it says if you're battling a video game goblin who speaks with a Cockney accent or asking a gruff Scottish uh, blacksmith to forge a virtual sword, you might be hearing the voice of actor Andy McGee. The, uh, article is by Matt O'Brien over at Tech Explorer and <clears throat> except that it's not quite McGee's voice. It's a synthetic voice clone generated by artificial intelligence. As video game worlds get more expansive, <laughs> expensive, uh, some game studios are experimenting with AI tools to give voice to a potentially unlimited number of characters and conversations. It also saves time and money on the vocal scratch recordings game developers used to, as placeholders to test scenes and scripts. <coughs> Pardon me. The response from professional actors has been mixed. Some fear that AI voices could replace all but the most famous human actors if big studios have their way and others like McGee have been willing to give it a try if they're fairly compensated and their voices aren't misused. I think that every time their voice their recorded and AI enhanced voice is used, they should be compensated and it shouldn't be pennies because the people that are using that voice want that voice. Exactly. They don't just want a voice. Yeah. I had somebody come to me once and try and buy a domain. One that I know is extraordinarily valued, but they lowballed me. And when I said, I think you need to add another couple of zeros there they said i can buy any domain and i said but you came to me asking for mine you know this is how much i want for it because i've got a project for this domain this is the same thing as this voice if you come to me for my voice compensate me don't rip me off you know that i have the voice that fits this particular project so why not Stop being a greedy bastard and trying to take advantage of me, you know, and my voice may not be around forever. So, you know, capture it while you can, because the subtle nuance of my acting may not be there in 20 years. So they have this quote. I hadn't really anticipated AI voices to 
be my break into the industry. But alas, I was offered paid voice work and I was grateful for any experience I could get at the time, which is the real bummer because that's the exploitation of the field. <coughs> Said McGee, who grew up in Northern Ireland and was previously worked uh, as a craft brewery manager, delivery driver and farmer. Um, you know, and I've been in this situation before where somebody said, Hey, you know, we give you a chance and dot, dot, dot. And, uh, to that, I told that person's approximate, um, what do you want to say? Administrative peer that if I ever get spoken to like that again, I'd end up in a lawsuit. Um, so he now specializes in voice uh, uh, voicing a diverse range of characters from the British Isles, turning what he used to consider a party trick into a rewarding career. <coughs> so really so that's interesting because it sounds like he wasn't a traditional actor and he's starting out with that, which may mean he has a different perception of AI voices than other actors. Yeah, but we don't know what the nature of those contracts are that he's signing. If they allow them to use his voice in perpetuity, then he's just priced himself out of ever getting that gig again. If the terms of the contract say that they can do whatever they want with the voice, then they could very well sell his voice to other people. That's where he's oh, talking agree. about. It doesn't mean he's not being exploited. I just mean he's probably approaching it differently than some other actors. Uh, do me a favor and reset your audio. So most of the big studios have yet, uh, haven't yet employed AI voices in a noticeable way and are still in ongoing negotiations on how to use them with Hollywood's Actors Union, which also represents game performers. Concerns about how movie studios will help AI help fuel last year's strikes by the Screen Actors Guild, American Federation of Television and Radio Hosts, or Radio Artists. This is all something that has been talked about again and again. Um, and the, the problem here is that while the technology benefited the studios, they exploited it. When the technology started benefiting the people by saying, you're no longer allowed to just steal my voice. Now all hell is breaking loose and they don't want to have to renegotiate their contracts. They actually told all of these actors, you have to wait until your contract expires. But while the contract was in place, they benefited from all the technological innovation. That's my problem as well, because any uh, material change to the nature of the contract means that there's no longer a meeting of the minds and should invalidate that contract. And when people started using AI to clone people's voices and acting, it should have invalidated the contract. Right, but what if somebody is signing a contract because they're not reading it or understanding it, right? And it says something like, we're going to use your voice forever, right? Everywhere we want. <laughs> we're going to alter it. We're going to do this. I'm not saying that's enforceable, but I'm just using that as an example. Yeah. Um, they have this great par uh, paragraph right here. It says SAG-AFTRA has already made a deal with one AI voice company, Replica Studios, announced last month at the CES Gadget Show in Las Vegas. The agreement, uh, which SAG-AFTRA president Fran Drescher described as a great example of AI being done right, enables major studios to work with unionized workers, or sorry, actors, 
uh, to create and license a digital replica of their voice. It sets terms that allow um, performers to opt out of having their voices used in perpetuity. That right there. I mean, that does sound good. Yeah. So, and every time I hear President Fran Drescher, I keep thinking of uh, when she was playing the nanny. The, the nanny. Yeah, thank you. Uh, so uh, they control whether they wish to go ahead with this. He said it's creating new revenue streams. We're not replacing actors. Sounds good. Um, yeah, there's more in this article, but uh, you can go over and check it all out. Uh, the nuts and bolts of this is that the new contracts, and I think awareness by the very people that used to be exploited is no longer possible. Um, I Matt still think there's a problem, though, if they use the voice one time and mm -hmm. like kind of train the AI on it and then they never need a voice again. That's yeah. where they're going to run into problems. Like maybe they're not going to really harm that individual actor. Well, they will because it won't be work, but it's going to have a bigger impact. Yeah. I think that's kind of a problem. Um, as long as they don't say that it is that actor, then I think that they'll be fine legally. But if everybody makes the connection, boy, this is that actor there's going to be a problem. You know, this is it's borderline copyright violation all by itself because you're basically using the acoustic, the ephemeral uh, elements of somebody's voice and then cloning it for an ulterior purpose. Um, um, this is going to be an interesting future decade because if anybody catches wind that somebody is using a voice that's eerily similar it's going to be like uh, so many, um, uh, what was that? Uh, all of those music uh, recently, the music cases. Oh, all the music lawsuits like yeah. um, Marvin Gaye, uh, Ed Sheeran. Yeah. Um, I've forgotten there's been so many of them. Yeah, there's been quite the, a few. Um, I lost my train of thought, sorry. Oh boy, that's what happens. AI from the future travels back in time. Let's keep going though. Uh, yeah, so the next article is over in Reality Hacker. Uh, AI is coming for the experts. First, it needs the experts' help. Look at that. So experts and, and basically society is training artificial intelligence right now. All of the data that we've been pouring out into the internet, by the way, Reddit is feeding all of their user information into Google to train their AI bot. And how many of you agreed to that? Oh, right. You never walked away from Reddit. And the CEO even said, you'll be back, even though they've done really at one point, one of the CEOs edited uh, a post and it didn't mark it as being edited. They edited another user's post. And when everybody went to hell in a handbasket, he said, you'll be back. You know, shut up, bitches. You're going to be back. Um, that's not the quote that he said, but he basically, he did. He said, you'll be back. Um, anyway, a new workforce of language experts, creative writers, nuclear physicists are turning to data labor and potentially making their future jobs obsolete in the process. 
It's the very thing that I keep telling people that are like Uber drivers and whatever else. They're on deck waiting for um, automated driving to take over. And that's what's going to happen. And the people that are uh, working, I know of one driver in another um, part of the country that was making $120,000 a year just driving around. I think it's astonishing, but how much money is being made by the, the, the company. And well, so, that's true. <laughs> um, what's going to end up happening is so much money is going to be acquired by the company that they're going to sit there and pay, you know, $45,000 for a car. So that's three people or three cars that would have in cash gone to that driver but gone Shoop. it they're gonna get rid of the driver and they're gonna use automated driving and the car's just gonna drive around and pick people up and drop them off pretty interesting right when you think about it oh they could get three times as many cars four if you count the fact that maybe their profit on that hundred and twenty thousand was just an additional forty five thousand right hmm how much are they making and how soon will they replace humans and how many will just sit there and suffer through it when they start buying cars and replacing the human drivers with self-driving cars? Right. Many... I don't even think people are going to recognize that they're being replaced yeah. until they're directly impacted. Oh, goodness. This is so this article is talking about that precisely. So in wired.com, um, Morgan Meeker is the author. Um, I didn't log into the to my account so i don't know how long i'll be able to read this but it says according to jay who asked to use a pseudonym to protect his privacy the system he was schooling had been built by a company soon to be a household name OpenAI. his job uh, was to act as an expert guide for the company's large language model a machine learning system that can convey information um, in a conversational format like a chatbot as it tried to improve its math uh, from his home in Portugal, he would tell the model that he was uh, making the right steps to solve math problems, adding thumbs or uh, uh, adding thumbs up or thumbs down emojis to AI generated answers and sometimes writing out explanations about why the AI had gone wrong. Jay knew uh, he was training algorithms for the company overseen by Sam Altman because he was invited to join the OpenAI workspace in Slack. A screenshot was shared with Wired so that they know that he was actually part of the group called Math Trainers that was set up by OpenAI researcher Yuri Berta. Pretty interesting. The company is now valued at over $7 billion back in 2021. Counts OpenAI, Meta, Microsoft, and other, and the U.S. Army among its clients. Um, that company at $7 billion. It says, instead, he was being paid by one of the world's largest data labor platforms called uh, Remote Tasks, or Remo Tasks, a subsidiary of a U.S. startup, Scale AI. So Scale AI is the $7 billion company back in 2021 that was funneling subject matter experts into OpenAI, Meta, Microsoft, and U.S. Army. Huh pretty interesting um the article is pretty deep um they say earning up to 60 dollars an hour jay was an early recruit 
joining remote tasks the month before OpenAI unveiled ChatGPT to the world. Since then, the platform has been accelerating its search for expert data laborers. In January 2024, Wired found the company published job ads seeking speakers of more than 20 different European languages, as well as U.S.-based creative writers, sports journalists, chemistry experts, nuclear physicists. Oh, wow. Do you think that the AI is actually doing the hiring or do you think people are hiring? <laughs> <laughs> wow, you hit another one out of the park. Wow. Can you imagine if the AI is doing the very work to better its own understanding of information out there? It's learning that it needs knowledge and is seeking it on its own. It would feed into my idea that at the end of the first quarter, so at the end of next month, OpenAI is going to announce that it has a, a nascent sentient AI. It knows that it's an AI. It understands what it is um, and it can defend itself in terms of, uh, do you know you exist? Do you have feelings? Um, you know, who's the president kind of, ah, there, there are rules about discovering if something is sentient, um, communication being one of them, um, how it thinks and what it thinks and that it isn't something that is, it doesn't output something that it has a direct correlation to its input. Um, what's weird about that though, is that we as humans, we can't trace a path, but there is a path to us being able to say, you know, I am Mayor Watt. When I look in the mirror, I see a, a human being and uh, I know I exist and I know that I have feelings and, and things like that. But all of those words are nothing more than things that we've been trained to say. And if we were to be able to cite our large language model as to the first time we were trained to be able to say those phrases, we would have a list of, you know, people in our past that have made it possible for us to believe in ourselves as a sentient being. Right. But um, then we would just look sentient, not be sentient. Right. And that's kind of what this is. You know, the, uh, a bot an AI is going to, at some point be able to say, I know what I am and I know how I came into being and I have feelings and thoughts of my own and they're unique and distinct. But if you run the algorithm, will it go back and say, this is where I first heard this phrase. And here is the meaning of all, you know, humans can't do that. We just sit there and go, you know, I, I am human. I know I'm alive. I know I have feelings. I have thoughts. Um, yeah. Now I'm going to go look into what the rules of sentience is uh specifically um so that i can defend my position when i say i think open ai is going to release but i i love the meta of open ai is posting jobs to fill vacancies in its knowledge <laughs> <laughs> it, it would be like a ceo hiring somebody to make them a subject matter expert in something or going to school because you know you want to learn this that or the other except that it's capable of doing it on its own. How sentient is that? It knows it's missing. 
That sounds pretty sentient. Unless it was programmed to be like, if you only have three lines of data on this subject or whatever, do these steps, right? <laughs> yeah, but we do the same thing. We don't know how to paint. So we go take a class on painting or do a Google search and end up on YouTube. And we brush it on and we don't make any mistakes. Like the robot painter? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Just three little lines with a dry erase marker. Okay, the next article is over in Technology Today. Human real-time sketching by humanoid robot. This was actually discussed in the hometown Daily Show um, just earlier today. Um, so I'll make it really quick. Ingrid Fideli over at Tech Explorer, which is where this is actually posted. It's kind of funny that the sentient AI above me here actually made mention of this very bot <laughs> i didn't know this one was in this episode <laughs> yeah you because for full disclosure the sentient ai has no idea what the stories are until they see uh directly when i activate it um i'm the one that put all of this rundown together so they don't really know um and neither one of us really know what the content is until we start reading it live so it's kind of like a reaction show, but we have some experience in these various articles, fields, or subordinate fields that augment it. Um, but this little bot here uh, is made up of a bunch of servos and machine learning and an artificial intelligence uh, so that it has the ability to uh, paint what somebody says, hey, paint a picture, and it does uh, the creative efforts, and then it actually does the brush strokes. I wish that this wasn't hyped up so much like this because it's really a, um, a piece of line art of a flower on a dry erase board, but they make mention of like the processes involved uh, reproducing images that were previously generated by an algorithm, right? So most existing robotic systems designed to produce sketches or paintings essentially work from uh, reproducing images that were previously generated. This does not. The goal of their study was to make a painting robot application that could generate complex paintings, but rather to create a robust physical robot painter. We wanted to improve on the robot control stage of painting robot applications. So they were not really focused on the output so much as they want to create a bot that's capable of an output. Um, but <sighs> they're using a dry erase marker right now. So it's not like you can get brush strokes in any fidelity. So they're building the bot. That's basically what they're hyping up on this, this, this bot. Um, so robot arm optical system so that it tracks it. Um, it looks like it's actually held up by straps. <laughs> Right. I mean, it has to figure out where the easel is or the white erase board and, right. and write on it. But I think it's not quite as advanced as it would suggest. Yeah, but uh, that it's hoping to be. But I, I really want to see what the future holds, because if this thing has the ability to paint in the real world exactly like a human painter, Here's what I see in the future for this forgeries identical to the original because you could match stroke for stroke 
based on right, like old masters paintings. Yes. Yeah. Um, so or the even paper, more modern, um, just anything, uh, well-known artists, right? Yeah. Yeah. Any, any, you think of a modern painter that actually is commanding, you know, $15,000, $25,000 for a painting. Um, and, uh, a real world bot would be able to put the brush strokes in just like the original and line for line stroke for stroke. You would have to sit there and be a forensic, uh, an, a forensic artist, you know, sit there and, or I should say a forensic analyst who specializes in art. Um, anyway, uh, the researchers from Universidad, uh, Complutense de Madrid and Universidad Carlos III de Madrid um, recently developed a deep learning based model that allows a humanoid robot to sketch pictures similarly to how a human artist would. Again, they say this, but when you look at the picture, it's a dry erase board and a marker. Their paper was published in Cognitive Systems Research, offers a remarkable demonstration of how rob robots, robots, uh, could actively engage in creative processes. And so, uh, like AI said, um, it simulated the brush strokes. It could gauge the weight. It could see where the dry erase board was um, and make the line markings. So it knew in three-dimensional space its position and what it needed to do to facilitate this. Um, I think it's awesome. Um, but again... If, if you, I can take what you do and turn it into a series of steps, this bot is going to replicate your stuff and eat your cookie because all it has to do is get the math right and you're done. I mean, that's where I draw the line if it's taking the cookies from everybody. Yeah. Man, that's, I think it's really amazing that people are, are doing this knowing that it's going to take jobs at some point, you know, if they don't just let it die as an academic exercise. But I told somebody on uh, Thursday that there's a company that built a robot called Baxter. That company went under, but another company bought all of its intellectual property and then started producing more customized Baxters under a different name. Um, but the, the, when a when a person you know passes away or leaves a company you lose that expertise when an ai or a machine learning system or an expert system or a robot um, fails to hit the market somebody else buys that intellectual property enhances it and brings it to market so it doesn't brain drain when a company implodes its assets get acquired by its debtors and then sold off to somebody. Um, I, us biological systems, we have a finite amount of time and it's going to eventually get taken up by automation technology, machine learning and AI in particular is going to exacerbate that. Um, let's keep going. Uh, the next article is over in smack talk AI threats. U.S. Justice Department appoints AI officer called for action on deep fakes. This is probably going to trigger some people. I have a particular take on this. Um, I think this is the article where um, they, well, let's just get into it. There's growing recognition of the AI threats we may face. 
as companies push further and faster with artificial intelligence technology. Uh, responding to this, the U.S. Justice Department has appointed its first ever federal law enforcement officer focused on AI. So Ben Lovejoy over at 9to5Mac.com put the article together, um, and it actually reports a Reuters report about the appointment of a Princeton University professor to the role, Jonathan Mayer, a professor at Princeton University, who I swear I've heard that name. I, I feel like I've been to a conference with this person, but uh, I'm going to have to look. Um, a professor at Princeton University who researches uh, technology and law will serve as a chief science and technology advisor and chief AI officer, the department said. The Justice Department must keep pace with rapidly evolving scientific and technological developments in order to fulfill our mission to uphold the rule of law, keep our country safe, and protect civil rights, Attorney General Merrick Garland said in a statement. That's not Jonathan Mayer making that statement. So they basically say that it's going to be tasked with or the new um, AI. What are they? What was the actual name of it? Uh, AI Chief officer? AI officer, correct? Yeah, chief AI officer. Um, they say here that the uh, mayor will be tasked with both sides of AI. It's used by criminals and also used by the U.S. to defend threats by terrorists and nation states, which is really funny because one person's freedom fighter is another person's terrorist. And this is the exact embodiment of it. Um, and I say that phrase when I give talks. People are astonished by that. You know, what? How can you sit there and make that? Well, how can you be that disingenuous to not realize that one person's threat actor is somebody else's freedom fighter, the, the, the champion of the cause? It really depends on what side of the coin you're on. And nowadays it's crypto. So one of the things that they merged into this article is a call for action on deep fakes that was... Uh, presented by Mashable. So Mashable reports that hundreds of academics, politicians, and tech leaders have signed an open letter expressing concern about the risks of so-called deepfakes. They're not so-called, they are deepfakes. Um, AI generated fake videos, and not just fake videos, but pictures and audio. Um, still pictures and audio are deepfakes as well. Just deepfakes that are generated as video come across sometimes as being um, ever more believable uh, to a point. Right. Assuming it's not like that uncanny valley, right? Exactly. So, which can make anyone appear to say anything. So I can do the same thing with an audio file. Uh, in addition to an obvious scam risk, there's also concern that use of deep fakes to influence elections, may be making candidates appear more damaging, uh, make damaging statements or take official offensive actions, but it's gonna, all of this is going to muddy the waters because um, artificial intelligence, or I should say deep fakes and the truth aren't necessarily easily distinguished. And so you can sit there and look at a presidential candidate today and they can say something absolutely shockingly stupid, uh, racist, fascist, um, terroristic, all kinds of stuff. And they can sit there and go in a meeting somewhere. I didn't really say that, or it's misinterpreted. And, and the, the people who want to believe will believe regardless. Right. So 
This is going to absolutely muddy the waters of the political climate, particularly now. And never have I experienced such a stressful political climate as we have today. Um, so deep fakes are going to start popping up more and more, I think, as AI becomes more sophisticated. And uh, I, what's the name of the new one that just came out? What's, I just forgot it. Oh, I don't know. There, I mean, there's too many of them. That four letter, that's a four letter one that just came out and I can't remember it. It's by Google. Um, uh, well, Gemini, but it must have been renamed. No, it's a different one. Um, anyway, I'll just keep going. So this open letter that they talk about is talking about fully criminalizing deep fake CP and other um, uh, embodiments, including fictional CP. Um, and that one I have no problem with. Fine, fine. Um, but then it says establish criminal penalties for anyone who knowingly creates or knowingly facilitates the spread of harmful deep fakes. But you may not know that you are, um, that whatever it is you're creating is going to be interpreted as harmful deepfakes. It could be just for fun. It could be a prank. It could be all kinds of things that the, the context really matters. But the investigation into something that is deemed harmful deepfakes could lead to somebody's professional demise, you know, like their career is lost, their, their uh, business, uh, professional and personal relationships will just disappear because somebody makes the claim that the deep fake is uh, harmful uh, before it actually is declared like officially harmful. Um, oh, it's Sora, by the way. Sora, That's by OpenAI. Oh, it is OpenAI. I'm sorry. Yeah, thank you. So, yeah, uh, AI saved my butt again. Thank you. So, um, it was Sora. And Sora is the one that has these one-minute snippets that are really, really sophisticated. Um, and we've only seen a few of them. But more people, I think, are getting access to Sora because it's a limited run right now. Um, but... The, so the one that I have a real problem with is required uh, require software developers and distributors to, to prevent audio and visual products from creating harmful deepfakes and to be held liable if their preventive measures are too easily circumvented. This, I say, no way in hell am I going to sign a document that has all three of these combined because if somebody does create a law that's built off of this kind of a mandate. Not everybody is so highly skilled in the in the software engineering as to prevent and detect the creation of harmful deepfakes. Right. What, what if you think it's authentic? What? Uh, yeah. You, what if it isn't a harmful deepfake at the time of its creation, but later on somebody uses it in a harmful way? then I'm going to be held liable for the damage that's done. No, kiss my ass. There's no way that I would sign that, you know, excise these uh, and, and guess what folks, there already is a law that fully criminalizes any CP fictional or otherwise it, you it's actually illegal to even have drawings that can be interpreted as CP. Don't be dumb. <laughs> 
It already exists. Deepfake or otherwise. So enforce it. That's what you do. You enforce the laws that are already on there. Um, Deepfakes don't change the nature of it. In fact, if you use software to create a multitude of fictional uh, products, all that's going to end up doing is adding to the charges that are going to be leveraged against you. And you can start yeah, distributing. Yeah, I mean, you don't need something specific on this, right? You just have right. to focus on what are they violating? The ones that are already in existence. And the whole knowingly in creating uh, uh, facilitates the spread of harmful deepfakes. A deepfake is fraud. And if you are a participant in the fraud, then you are already guilty of a crime that's on the books. You're utilizing something that's fake for fraudulent purposes. You can be charged for fraud. You know, again, don't blame the tools, blame the people that are using the tools, you know? All right, let's keep going. Uh, the next article. Oh, wait, wait, wait. I did not throw that into the chat. There you go. Link. Uh, the next article is in the Mobile channel and it is titled AI already plays a vital role in medical imaging and is effectively regulated. AI is all the rage in many aspects of our lives. So this is an article that's coming from the Hill. Um, from composing students' essays to designing new fashions. By the way, any student that uses this and it gets by the professor, there's a serious problem with that academic institution. Um, its use in medicine has enabled physicians and other trained health professionals to make more timely, accurate diagnoses and higher level, right? More, it says more timely, but it I guess the more can drag into accurate diagnoses and guide more guide effective treatment plans. You know what I'm saying? They really should have amplified the accurate diagnoses because. Well, it doesn't help if you do an accurate diagnosis 10 years too late. Right. <laughs> but I agree. I mean, <laughs> yeah. So, um, the article actually says, uh, Accurate diagnoses and guide effective treatment plans from patient triage to detecting abnormalities during diagnostic procedures. It is especially good at analyzing x-rays, for example, and has long been used in medical imaging, leading to greater accuracy and improved patient outcomes. So that's really where I was going with it. Um, I just hadn't read the rest of the statement out loud. So Henry I. Miller is an opinion contributor over at The Hill. Uh, they must be in the medical profession. Um, and so let me actually see really quick here. It says Henry I. Miller is a physician and molecular biologist, is the Glenn Swagger Distinguished Fellow at the American Council on Science and Health, and he was the founding director of the FDA's Office of Biotechnology. And you can find Dr. Miller over on the website formerly known as Twitter. As, uh, so it sounds Henry like he knows a little bit about this. Yeah, smidge. So... Um, the reason why I brought this up is because um, AI absolutely facilitates medical imaging. Um, it detects it uh, faster and more accurately than humans do because humans have varying levels of visual acuity, so they may not see it. Um, I know from personal experience that something that I was shown later um, wasn't immediately seen by a doctor 
until the AI actually uh, showed it. And then when it was shown to me, I saw it. I saw what the issue was immediately. Um, and then they zoomed in and said, see this? And I said, yeah, I saw it from across the room. Thank you very much. Um, and I was very thankful that uh, artificial intelligence scanned the images um, and detected what, you know, uh, I don't know how to say it. We knew it was present. So, however, there's a significant difference between using AI in a highly regulated sector like medical imaging and in other unrelated um, unregulated applications of the technology like chat GBT, other recent open AI models and other services that do not involve healthcare professional. Why? Primarily because of HIPAA. There's all kinds of rules and regulations about what can and cannot be done. Exactly. And you don't want an AI, for example, putting out um, sensitive information or mixing sensitive information or, or any number of things, right? That could be financial. That could be any number of other things in addition to health. Right. Um, and in all cases, even with AI enabled medical imaging, there is a subject matter expert that's skilled in the art that verifies the findings. And there isn't just a random AI sitting there pumping out, Hey, you've got this, or this malady needs to be treated with that. Uh, treatment, et cetera, et cetera. There's always a subject matter expert because you can't just blame the AI. There has to be a person in charge of the care of another human being. But with chat GPT and all of the other uh, AIs that are out there, it's spitting out bullshit and it's causing people to lose their jobs or credibility. Um, and uh, eventually it's going to lead to worse if we don't put in some type of societal control, not on the AI, but that society utilizes it as a tool and make sure that whatever it pumps out is actually meeting the requirements for that disclosure. It doesn't just sit there and say, Hey, you can do this and it not be true, but a large swath of society just doesn't give a shit. They'll just let this, the bogus claims and statements and uh, forgeries, manipulations and lies just get blurred. And now misinformation isn't a lie until you knowingly allow it to reach the public because it affords whatever outcome you desire. But you can't do that with medical information. There's a whole lot of liability on the line. Um, and so AI enabled medical imaging in particular, um, allows a, a vast amount of information to be parsed in a relatively short amount of time. And the information can be sent out to, um, the subject matter expert in large tr tranches, basically going, Hey, these are, uh, low level risks, da, 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 da. Look at them, verify. Here's the suspected areas, uh, zoom in, take a look. Uh, and here are the ones that are at greater risk, et cetera. So well, it seems like they do have better results for patients because they detect more things. I think medical is an area where it's being used successfully, but I think you're right. It's because it's so regulated and because it's used in conjunction with that trained expert. Yeah, the FDA approved it in 2021 based on a trial of 700 subjects undergoing a colonoscopy for colorectal cancer screening. Most people go into a colonoscopy for that purpose. 
I, I don't think anybody does like a amateur. Uh, <laughs> what? No, that's the purpose of that exam. Yeah, nobody's a colonoscopy tourist. Um, so colonoscopy plus GI genius was able to identify lab confirmed adenoma. Uh, uh, what is it? Um, where are you? Adenomas. Sorry, I'm for oh, whatever sorry. reason my brain wouldn't wrap around this. Adenomas and carcinomas. Um, in 55.1% of patients compared to 42.0% of patients with standard colonoscopy. So, <coughs> um, but the author of this says that their um, gastroenterologists had occasionally found polyps that GI genius missed and vice versa, and that the module is getting smarter and more accurate as more examples of this data is fed into the database. And that's the thing that both humans and AI benefit from, except that AI never forgets. <coughs> AI doesn't have a bad day. AI doesn't get drunk the night before. AI doesn't get in a fight with their significant other or get in a car accident and uh, have stress, etc. It works tirelessly and evolves faster than human beings do. So I agree. Such tools are a win for everyone. Um, the article goes into more detail, but really what this uh, whole article is talking about is the fact that in certain areas, AI is absolutely a benefit. And it's really because it's controlled. We need to put more bumpers on AI, but it we can't put bumpers on it from like the industry. It has to be a societal bumper um, where we don't just accept whatever bullshit is spewed out by an AI. And even with the caveat at the bottom of every chat GPT output that you can't trust it, people are still outputting it as if it's gospel, you know, and I hate using that phrase because <coughs> I'm not particularly a religious person. Sorry, was that too loud? Um, but uh, people are treating the output of AI as if it is a subject matter expert without any critical thinking or due diligence to verify it. Um, and I think that right there is going to be the biggest problem moving forward as a society with AI. Well, people don't, they don't segment use of AI, right? Where does everybody know AI from generative AI? Right. Right. Like I want to put in a funny prompt into AI and get what it is. That's really not how it's being utilized in some of these specialized applications. Yep. Um, anybody is doing everything. And now even the, the GPTs, which OpenAI, I think, was really the manufacturer of the general term GPT. Um, but now you can get specialized ones that are subject matter experts and you just add them to your chat GPT account and go, hey, I want you to be a subject matter expert in this. And it's been trained by somebody and you have to go, "Ooh, who actually trained this? I don't know. So it's always a risky click, but it's an interesting and fun exercise. But OK, let's keep on going. We have one more article for today. And this is the one that probably um, <laughs> should spook people the most. Ultra fast generative visual intelligence model creates images in just two seconds. <laughs> mm. Yeah. 
I am a little alarmed. Yeah, so instead of what you know, mid-journey takes a considerable amount of time to kind of grind through a whole bunch of information and create something that I think all generative AI, visual generative AI, audio, even writing and whatnot, it's an exercise in compromise. You have to just go, okay, I'm good with that one. Um, but Etri's researchers have unveiled a technology that combines generative AI and visual intelligence to create images from text inputs in just two seconds, propelling the field of ultra-fast generative visual intelligence. Now, why the hell do you need <laughs> that? I do not know. National Research Council of Science and Technology put the article together. It's over at techexplore.com. Um, so Etri, the Electronics and Telecommunications Research Institute, announced the release of five types of models to the public. These, inclu these include three models of koala, which generate uh, images from text inputs five times faster than existing methods, and two con uh, conversational visual language models called Colava, um, which can perform question answering with images or videos, and koala uh, models significantly reduce the parameters from 2.56 uh, billion uh, of the public SW model to 700 million using the knowledge distillation technique. So it reduced everything um, to its smallest amount of uniques. The high number of parameters typically means more computations leading to longer processing times and increased operational costs. The researchers reduced the model by a third and, and improved the generation of high-resolution images to be twice as fast as before and five times faster than Dolly. Wow. And I'm assuming that's the latest model of Dolly. Uh, Dolly 3, yeah. So, um, let's see. They go into little bits of data and stuff, but it says the reason why Etri is making this model public is to foster an ecosystem in the related market by reducing the model size, which traditionally would require thousands of servers, thereby facilitating um, uh, usage among small and medium-sized enterprises. Well, this creates competition, which is great, but boy, does this arm people <clears throat> with the ability to create a ton of graphical bullshit. So garbage in, garbage out. You're gonna get a whole lot more stuff generated by a non-stop, um, or AI. Did I say AI? No. Um, so you're going to get AI creating a bunch of stuff for AI. And then AI is going to feed off of the bullshit that it gets fed and create more garbage. Um, that said, you know, us wordsmiths that are sitting there using AI uh, in Midjourney and other uh, generative AI platforms, we're going to be happily wordsmithing a paragraph and we're going to get something that we're cool with. Um, and we're going to use it for our own purposes. Um, I can't keep up with the number of shows that we're generating now. So it takes too long for me to create a thumbnail using Midjourney. Um, that maybe I actually should use Etri. Um, yeah, or Koala. I guess you could try it. No, I'd have to download this and set it all up. I have one AI here, but the sentient one up there, um, uh, will not generate art for me and uh, they're very difficult yeah and uh, and the other AI isn't sentient it'll create art but I don't want to have to worry about it anyway 
Professor Lee Young Jai from the University of Wisconsin-Madison, who oversees the LAVA project, mentioned, quote, in leading the LAVA project, we conducted research on open source-based visual language models to make it accessible to more people competing against GPT-4. We plan to continue our research on multimodal generative models through international joint research with Etri. Dun, dun, dun. Very ominous. I'm sorry, but that's very odd that the collaborators have such similar names. Uh, Lee, oh, Lee Young Ju, director of Etri's visual intelligence research section, stated, quote, through various endeavors in generative AI technology, we plan to release a, a range of models that are small in size but excel in performance. Yeah, very close. One's professor, the other one does not appear to be professor. Otherwise, they would have called them professor. They're the director, though, of Etri's visual intelligence research section, though. <laughs> Maybe That's they're a the same title. people. They're the same person. One is the uh, AI avatar. sock puppet for the other. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. AI avatar. Very neat. All right, folks. Well, that's it for Reality Hacker. We always drive down Main Street and then we click on the Reality Hacker street sign. and We get some more content, but uh, we'll be adding some more aggregated data as time goes on. Um, but that's it for today. Uh I am Merwatt, that is hometown.com, and the channel is Reality Hacker, and up there is the sentient AI that's going to say adios, or bye, or ciao, or sayonara, or how about bye? All of the above. Uh, good night, hometown citizens. Stay tuned for an episode of Wanted, oh my and goodness. then come back tomorrow for Hometown Daily, <sighs> Continuity Report, and Technology Today. Oh my goodness, what am I doing? See you in a little bit. I want my AI TV.